If you visit the Fordham Theater Program's webpage, you'll find classes with titles such as Acting, Theater History, Flying Solo, and Young, Gifted, and Black, all offered by one Daniel Alexander Jones. And indeed, if you sign up for these classes, Jones, a member of the faculty since 2008, will artfully guide you through your paces in these aspects of stagecraft. If, however, you visited the Connolly Theater, Joe's Pub, or any of the myriad theaters where Jones has performed over the last decade, you'd have encountered a very different person, Joe Mama Jones. Since her debut in 2011, Jomama, a radiant soul diva with her own distinct backstory and career, has been a vehicle for Jones to explore profound questions of race and gender. In 2011, the New York Times described Jomama's performance as, quote, glowing, making it hard not to surrender to this sequin-encrusted Earth Mother's soulful embrace. And in 2015, Jones won a Doris Duke Artist Award, which featured a $225,000 unrestricted multi-year grant. So, what has Jomama been up to these days? Fordham News tracked down Daniel to find out. So, when we met in 2013, you told me, and I quote, I think terror and art go hand in hand. If you're not scared, you're not doing it right. <laughs> so, 2019 must be a phenomenal time to make art, right? Yes, indeed tell me about it how is it making art in 2019 yeah well that that idea of fear uh and its relationship to creating is an important one um in that i think it's always important to feel what i call a quickening like when your heart races a little bit fast and there are a lot of a lot of states of mind and states of being that can bring us to that place love can bring us to that place curiosity can bring us to that place fear can bring us to that place but all of it is for me about getting beyond your comfort zone the habits that you have the ways that you are accustomed to doing things and when you move past that and you get into that place where you get a little bit afraid um your instincts kick in in a different way. And I think you start to see things with more acuity and you start to listen with more um, specificity. And that means you're paying attention. And if there has ever been a time in my adult life in the United States of America where we need to be paying attention, it's now. Using the arts to explore possibility is a real honor but it's also uh, one of the most powerful places to be working because it is about accessing the imagination. And if we cannot imagine what comes next, we can't manifest what comes next. Talk to me about Waves, um, which I understand is a book you're working on. It's a book of creative nonfiction uh, and you're doing live readings of now. So I, for the last three summers, I've been uh, dedicating my time to crafting this manuscript. I finished it in a late August and gave it to uh, my editor uh, who uh, just gave me back my manuscript. So the remainder of this year is dedicated to getting back in there and, and refining it. But I set out to write uh, and collect the work that I had done 
for theater, performance texts, plays, which largely had not been published. And a number of friends and colleagues had said, yo, you got to publish your stuff. And I said, all right, I'll sit down and I'll do this. And as I looked at the different work that I've made over the last 25 years, I said, anybody coming to this work not having seen it firsthand or not knowing me would not probably be able to put it in a context because it's it's kind of all over the place in a way that I'm happy with, but it's it taps into a number of different ways of making work and different styles. So I said, let me write a, a little contextual essay mm. so that it will it'll frame this work. And when I sat down to write that essay, that essay exploded into its own project. Oh. And so what I what I recognized was that I had a deep need to write about lineage, to write about the artistic traditions out of which my own work comes, in which I participate, hopefully which I extend, and which for sure here at Fordham uh, forms the basis of what I teach. So that meant that I, I was writing this kind of hybrid of, of memoir, uh, stories about and and kind of essays about uh, the the mentors that I had in in the arts, most of whom were pretty extraordinary uh, black women who came out of either or both the avant-garde black American theater tradition and or uh, queer theater traditions. And uh, then also to write about what it meant to integrate the lessons that they taught me into everyday life and everyday practice, you know? Who's one that you would, you would think would be good to mention for this? Yeah, I will mention one who actually, it's, it's very interesting. Her name was Dr. Constance Berkeley. And Dr. Berkeley was my, uh, one of my professors in undergrad when I went to Vassar College. So I'm, uh, I write uh, at length about her and, and the many lessons she taught me, and, and particularly about, about her ability to help me understand better what it means that we live in a society that is so deeply informed by racism, classism, a kind of cultural imperialism that erases the truths of all of our distinctions as human beings. And that's everybody in the society. And what it means to engage that means that you are, you have to become an extraordinary observer, an extraordinary listener, and someone who can ask really good questions. Because if you make a space where you ask the right kinds of questions, people can reveal the complexity and the nuance of who they are outside of these very rigid, binary, and hierarchical systems. And, and her argument was everybody is so much more than the categories that they are reduced to. Everybody. Mm -hmm. And it is, it is our work to, to take the time and the energy to see one another and to be with one another um, in, in that nuanced way. It's harder, it takes more courage, mm -hmm. and it takes more time. And especially in a society where everything moves at such a clip and, and our assumptions become our certainties and those certainties become things that are part of that comfort zone I was talking about. You know, the way we can navigate the world, certain of who is who does this, what that is. Again, the business, you can't be in the arts, I don't think, and be true to the work 
if you're not willing to engage uncertainty and discomfort and the unknown. Have you visited many places that might not be a little more resistant to Absolutely. this kind of performance? Yeah, and I think that's actually a very big part of what what's important about making this kind of work. I've with with touring Joe Mama, we've had a number of experiences where we've been places that have never experienced anything like Joe and have have maybe not experienced a show like a show that I make. And there's been a lot of power in that for all involved. I'm thinking of one time in particular, we we brought one of uh, the shows to rural Minnesota, to this town that was definitely, a, you know, the red part of the state, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, I think a lot of folks who came to the show had seen the poster and they, they thought Joe Mama was real which she is, but like they didn't understand that any that there was a, a a male identified person portraying this person, oh my. and it was intense. And you could see the there was this there was a moment of oh my god, and some people had brought their children. You know, there was a lot of like, <laughs> oh my goodness. And then on top of that, the kinds of things I was talking about were were very challenging. And what happened was that people stayed the course. And I think because of because of, of what I was mentioning, that I'm I'm really interested in the encounter, the experience of being in the space together. And I as Dr. Berkeley taught me, like I really want to see who you are, and I want you to see who we are. And be in the space together and there's not a trick and I'm not here to attack or shame you. I'm here to be, to talk about these ideas and my ideas may confront you. I may confront you. You may confront me. But if we can stay in the heat with one another, what might be possible? Because the typical thing to have happen is you get into those highly charged situations and people decamp to their certainty, right? And this is what I deal with as a, as a professor all the time. You know, it's like, how do you have a dialogue in a classroom where people's ideas are so fixed? How do you have a conversation? Right. So in a way, you actually bring your teaching experience to the stage. And vice versa. And vice versa. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Now, you've made it clear, um, now that we're talking about your mama, that it's not a drag act. Mm -hmm. She's another side of you that's every bit as real as Daniel. Mm -hmm. Was it hard to make that switch the first time? Mm -hmm. For me, it wasn't because it, it, the way that she came through, and the first time she actually came through for me was in 1995. So it was I was working on the, my very first full-length performance piece. And um, she appeared in a way that was very different than a character that I had created. You know, I've written dozens of characters in different pieces and performed them, but that wasn't what this was. So for me, it felt more like a kind of channeling, being a vessel for this this energy, which led me to a number of different traditions, right? There are spiritual traditions where you become a vessel for an energy that is outside of who you are. Um, there are 
traditions of performance, masked theater traditions in particular that I'm thinking about in in Asia and Africa, um, where the mask, the the external identity, has a story, has information, has a, has a particular set of characteristics, and you as the performer actually surrender yourself to that energy. You take it on, and it moves through you. It takes over your body. It moves your body in a particular way. Very often, there are dances or songs that the mask knows that come through your body, and and that is a valid and and you know millennia old way of working the place that can be difficult i think is is in how people view what i'm doing uh it's it's much easier to say it's a drag act it's more complicated to talk about it in this way because it means opening up a different set of questions about what performance is and what identity is you know like i'm I really don't claim authorship of Joe Mama Jones, which is an odd thing to say as a playwright and a and a creator. Like I, I claim that I'm in a relationship with this energy and I create the circumstances. It's kind of like building uh, a melodic structure or, or a chord structure for a song, but the song when you play it live is always different every time. It's like, and it's in the jazz tradition, um, Betty Carter said uh, one time something, she said, it's not about the melody, it's about something else, the song. And so we often know a song by humming the melody. We're like, oh, this is this is a song I know, and you know, I, I might hum, yeah, yeah. but the song is actually bigger than that. It has to do with the interpretation. It has to do with the, the way that the musicians approach it on that particular day and the epiphanies that lie between the notes. And that's my work on Joe Mama is I actually, I can give you a frame but she, when I'm letting her through, she's going to do what she's going to do. And I'm not authoring that in a conscious way. Now, someone may come and say, well, that's a subconscious thing. You know, it's, mm-hmm. you're still doing it. Right. So Daniel, and fine, you can say that. But I, I choose very consciously to view it as part of, uh, I think, a very ancient way of working. Um, and I'm interested always in, 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 a, in a more practical way, Patrick, in... The idea that there are many people inside of us, many aspects to us, and and what what happens if we give ourselves more freedom to think about identity as a multiplicity and a process rather than a static and fixed location? That's that interests me tremendously, and I think it might actually be a balm for some of the difficulties we go through uh, in our culture uh, that increasingly seems to need. A, a static, flattened identity in order to assimilate and process. Wow. This is so much more deeper on a psychological okay. level than I even imagined. <laughs> you know, that's how I roll. <laughs> that's you, why these people, they, get, they, they run out of my class. They, <laughs> meanwhile, when you, when you mentioned a mask, the first thing that came to my mind was the Jim Carrey movie, The Mask, where he literally puts on the mask and then becomes old. And the mask takes, uh, over. And the mask takes over and he takes it off and goes, whoa, what was that all what about? What was that all about? Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. which is a, a really, that's a very like funny like pop culture version of this thing that is thousands of years old you know it's which is amazing to think about that and what is what is what does that ancient wisdom tell us because there were so many different cultures throughout the world that masked play was integral to their religious traditions 
Yeah. So you're you're picking up on a very very old tradition here. Um, speaking of old traditions, <laughs> you're turning fifty in February. Can yeah, I say why that? Why are you going to try and put my name, put all my business in the street? Uh, you hey, can I'm say that. That's good. Okay, that's good. I, I just turned forty-five. I'm, all right, that's I'm, good. I'm that Youngin, I'm your elder. Respect I'm not, me. That's right. <laughs> I'm not that far behind. I love it. Um, yeah, so you've obviously seen a lot of changes in in uh, when it comes to attitudes about gender expression in this country, and I wonder, do you feel like you've changed as well? I have, and I've been so inspired by um, one of the places. You know, I, I really feel uh, always that I learn from my students. I know that's a, a kind of cliche thing that people say, and they're like, "Oh, I learn from them as much as they learn from me." I'm like, I don't know that that's true. I think we we have different ways of exchanging, right? But I've been heartened by their clarity that they no longer wish to reiterate a very limited set of definitions about what identity is. And in in regards to gender, that there's just this steadfast refusal to accept this binary idea. And um, it's been interesting because... I've I've witnessed in my life the ways that a gender binary has been integral to keeping a lot of the oppressive systems that aren't explicitly about gender in place. A lot of the power dynamics, a lot of the hierarchies that that it slips in and even if it's not like the first thing that you see, if you dig, you're going to find that binary at work, right? So I mentioned my book Waves that I'm working on, and I mentioned these these mentors, um, and it is not lost on me that most all of the people who shaped me were feminist, womanist thinkers, particularly coming out of black feminisms. And black feminisms implicitly challenge ideas about flattened identity and challenge ideas about singular ways of being in the world and a binary. They break all those things open. And they they uh, demand that you think more rigorously and feel and be more rigorously. And so I've changed because I'm I'm starting to experience things that I felt either only I was going through or or a very small group of people were going through, I'm starting to see as, as being very much discussed in the public. And so it's been a very interesting experience to let go of a lot of that sense of isolation and say, oh, I'm not, I'm not alone in my experience of gender, which has always been a very fluid thing. Now, I haven't felt the need to define myself because I think I, I'm always a little bit suspicious of definition, <laughs> you know, um, in general. Uh, but what I'm, what I'm clear about is that I can look back at my work for 25 years. I can look back at my life for almost 50 years and say that this idea of the many inside the one has always been true for me. That, that there's a fluidity and there's a there's a a curiosity in some ways. I think um, if I can make one other provocative statement that when we are with one another, 
we bring different things out of one another. Whether that's a one-on-one conversation like what we're having right now, a, a, a classroom setting, a collaborative environment making art, a city, a political party, a nation, we can go to any scale, but we, we bring different things out of each other. And so I also think identity is not only about who you are within, but how you are without, how you are in configuration with other people, that it, you, are, you, you change in relationship or different aspects of you are highlighted or suppressed in relationship to the people that you're around. What's next for Jamama? Well, I am currently working uh, on the first stages of a brand new project that I'm building uh, with the Public Theater and New York Live Arts as as uh, partners right now, um, and it is uh, going to be a, a kind of ceremonial ritual performance project, and I'm I'm going to be working on it all year. Um, in the spring, we'll be doing a sharing at New York Live Arts in early May of the first phase of this material, some portion of it. Um, and Jomama is in it uh, as a central figure, but there are a lot of other people uh, who are involved. Um, and I just got done with this incredible workshop week uh, with uh, Josh Quatt, who's one of my musical collaborators, and then three extraordinary folks, Ebony Noel Golden, uh, Alexis Pauline Gums, and Shangodari Wallace, who are all culture makers, leaders, activists. We came together this week uh, and and explored some of the first phases of the core questions of the show and it blew my mind. So I'm, I'm like buzzing with all this stuff and gonna go sequester myself, rewrite my book and write this new piece for the rest of the year. I do, yeah. I do. But thank you so much for chatting with me. I'm very happy to be part of your podcast. Thank you. 